Lester. Hi, Romina. And hello, fellow overthinkers. This is Still Having Fun Podcast, and we're so excited to host you for the next hour to talk about political, social, cultural topics with a dash or handful of pop culture. So basically everything and anything we want to talk about. Keep in mind that the opinions we share are based on our personal and limited experiences. We will also put a timestamp of the topics we discuss in case a subject is ever triggering. So thank you so much for being with us wherever you are in the world. We hope that you enjoyed this episode. Hello, hello, Esther. Hi. Hello, everyone. We're back for a second episode this time. We're back. Yes, we are. (laughs) And before we get into any topics, Mm -hmm. I do want to do the land acknowledgement and say that we're recording on the traditional lands of the Odonosone and Mohawk peoples. Mm -hmm. And we really do this land acknowledgement because it's a tiny but important step if we hope to reconcile with our past Mm -hmm. and present genocides and mistreatments of Indigenous peoples in Canada. Yeah, definitely. It's very important. All right. Um, So, yes, we're back for the second episode, and uh, we're very, very happy with all of the feedbacks and inputs that we received from the first one that was launched last week. Absolutely. So thank you again for being here and thank you for listening to this second episode. Mm -hmm. We tried to improve the quality. (laughs) Hopefully this is better. We are working like crazy. And uh, fun fact, the first episode was recorded many times before launching it. Again, because every set that we're doing is a learning passage. So yeah. I, I think uh, congrats, Esther, because our work oh, paid off. to you. Yes, I want to know, um, because before starting this podcast, uh-huh. we kind of were talking, well, do we do this in English, in yes. French? Yes. I remember that being in debate. And so yes. I'd love to know how the editing process was for you. Because I know that was a concern, you know, mm-hmm. doing it in English. Like you were excited about it, but also kind of wondering about, you know, just your accent popping through. Yes. And it is our first topic. So yes. I did want to check in with you and see how you felt. Well, thank you very much for the question. Uh, <laughs> it, it is true to be completely transparent when Esther approached me and she told me about this idea and that she wanted to start a podcast with me I was so honored (laughs) but at the same time I was a bit afraid Mm -hmm. because I know that your first idea was to do it in English yeah and though I work in English with you Mm -hmm. and I I, I know English English is still my third language and I still have this like shame that comes with uh, my accent when it comes to English Uh, so I'm mostly francophone I, I identify myself as more francophone than anglophone okay uh is that anglophone i think yeah yeah all right um (laughs) and of course i'm spanish speaking since uh that's my first language uh right right? yeah so um i was very afraid to do a whole podcast where of course there's no visual it's mostly my voice your voice and i i usually compensate like with my gestures or you know, mm-hmm. with the visual and mm-hmm. stuff. But now it's like literally just my voice. So it was a challenge. And especially when it came to editing, oh, I heard <laughs> so many of uh, hesitations yeah. and, you know, like looking for my words. 
the usual uh, uh, mm-hmm. and usually when I get nervous I do have a tendency to speak faster okay. so that also was very present in the mm-hmm. first episode I, I do invite you uh, you person who's listening to us <laughs> to go to the first episode because even though the quality wasn't like the best and so on mm-hmm. I think that the content was very authentic mm-hmm. uh, and, and yes I think that there's a little bit of charm that comes with our accent mm-hmm. uh, to be honest I feel like you don't have an accent but again this is from mm-hmm. a person who has an accent point of view mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but but yes I like to talk about that about accents and yeah. that's like the theme of, of today's episode right um, is that usually accent talks about like a difference yeah. about a difference diversity a diversity exactly yeah. and usually is you know it doesn't have to be a person who is a newcomer or an immigrant yeah. to have an accent, you know, sometimes no. it can be French and French, you know, like the French here in, in Quebec is not the same French in, in France. Yeah. So when they go to France, yeah. Québécois, they will, those people will say, oh, you have a very funny accent. Mm-hmm. And again, it's the same language. Yeah. So, but I think that the what defines an accent is that there is still this difference. Mm-hmm. Uh, and usually it is you know, from uh, like a, like a different territory. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's about a, a, a they and an us. Yeah, that comes together, mm-hmm. so they can both understand because at the end of the day, is the same language, just yeah. with a different tone. And I think that, and I know I, I said that in the last episode, but I still agree that in this case also it applies. Is that it talks about courage, about putting yourself there mm-hmm. and be able to, you know, find that courage within you and say, hey, I also want to express myself. Mm-hmm. What I'm saying, my input as a diverse person with a different complexity and, and background is also important to be heard. So here I am yeah. with my different accents. But again, to not reduce the person with their accent and say like, oh, okay, like that was weird. Yeah. Oh, that was wrong. Because there's a lot of like, we're trying that comes with it. So, so yeah, yeah. Little shout out to the people who has an accent. Yeah, of course. And, you know, you talk about shame and of course, yeah, the courage of getting past that shame. And I'm curious to know if that shame comes from experiences that you've had or is it within you? Where does mm-hmm. that come from? Because you have an accent in three languages, correct? Yes. Uh-huh. And is there a culture where you've experienced that accent being very much celebrated? And then another one where it was that shame and that, well, you should speak perfectly and you shouldn't have this accent. Have you had that experience? Yes, yes. Uh, yes, good point. Thank you very much for telling me that because I do have an accent in the third, la- in, in the three languages yeah. that I speak. In in French and English, I would say that instead of thinking of myself, oh, I'm unique. I have this particular accent. Mm-hmm. I pronounce the same word but just differently. Yeah. Um. The the shame comes not always from me mm-hmm. myself that. Uh, that idea of I have to, I want to belong uh, but also I, I did experience some times where people were uh, telling me like oh I don't get it like I don't understand what you're saying and was I, this in sorry was this in Quebec more specifically yeah. or okay, yeah, okay in Quebec more specifically and I have a very uh, like 
specific moment where it really marked me. Okay. And it was when I was working in this, let's just say it was a, like a telephone provider mm-hmm. service. Uh, and it was a call center also when okay. I was younger. Okay. And it was a francophone, like very like French um, company. Francophone company. Yeah. Yes. That I won't say the name because just for yeah. a matter of respect. And and I received that call. And I remember at that time when I when we would receive calls, mm-hmm. it was very uh, saturated. It mm-hmm. means that there were so many calls coming in yeah. that the people who were calling, they had to wait like 30 minutes, mm-hmm. 45 minutes. It was like crazy saturated. Yeah. yeah. And when I received this call, the person was very annoyed already at me, which is, I mean, not a surprise. Usually mm-hmm. they are annoyed. <laughs> yeah. And um and this lady comes and she's like, Oh, um, do you speak French? And my intro is in French and English, you know, okay. just for right. bilingual. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and and she was like, Sir, you speak French? And I said, uh, we oui, bien sûr. like yes, yeah. here I am, you know, like you're in luck. And then she was like, No, 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 like I mean like a very well spoken French. And I was like, Well, maybe uh maybe I was talking too fast so mm-hmm. if you want i can like slow down mm-hmm. uh is that better i want to like yeah. i, I yeah. articulate it better and yeah. stuff but still she was like so close-minded to and and she kept saying i'm sorry i don't hear i can't understand oh and as i was explaining like i mean i was having a conversation with her i yeah. was explaining in Hey, you want me to slow down? And, and she was like, No, no need to slow down. I mean, you did understand what I just said, <laughs> right? And she said, No, I want to speak with a francophone, a Quebecoise, or mm-hmm. Quebecois, but from Quebec mm-hmm. that speaks good French. Mm-hmm. As in, my French wasn't good enough. Yeah. And I mean, it's not that I'm perfect. I know I have my flaws, mm-hmm. but come on, it was very understandable. Yeah. And, and the fact that you tried, you know, and you yeah. were like, well, can I slow down? Yeah. I, you know, it's just, and like, it still wasn't her, like, could, yeah, yeah, giving her the opportunity to like understand me better. So I think that it comes also with uh, an effort and an understanding from the other mm-hmm. person's part. And, and, and then at that point, I was like, oh my God, like, this is so mean and mm-hmm. so like ridiculous, useless because I'm here, I can help you. Uh, and if you really mm-hmm. don't want to talk with me, I mean, yeah. you're welcome to hang out and call again and yeah. meet again 30 minutes. Yeah. But again, I'm here, you know, yeah. like, I let me help you. And that was like my phrase. And I said it so many times, but no, for her, it was like, ah, ah, ah. And I felt oppressed, you know, mm-hmm. I felt like, oh my God, is it just me? Is it just me telling myself lies that? I speak good French and really, you know, and, and it's funny because all my life, I, I arrived here with my mom and my little brother when I was 10 years old. Mm-hmm. And when I say here, I mean Canada mm-hmm. from Peru. And I had to learn French at the same time than my mom, my brother. Yeah. I have some family in here too. Yeah. And I was like the Quebecois kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I do have an accent, but compared to theirs, I'm like, the Quebecois, do you know what I mean? Yeah, so I was, I was like proud of my French. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and one year after we arrived, like I had so many francophone friends, uh, as opposed to let's say my mom or my brother, who mm-hmm. they would hang out more like like Latino people, which is yeah. good. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I was more surrounded with like people from different parts of the world, and and also Quebec. I had to learn faster. 
And and for me, that was like a blessing thing. Yeah. Because I learned faster. And though I was like the official translator of my mom. <laughs> and and when we started living here in Canada, uh, we, we lived in Montreal North, mm-hmm. which is very diverse. And, and I remember we had like a neighbor. And that neighbor, I think he had like a crush on me or something. But he was like the troublemaker. <laughs> and... <laughs> And one day, because he had, like, this bad reputation, mm-hmm. and one day he, he was at home at my place. Like, he came from the balcony. Like, that's a no-no, you know? And my mom, a single mother, she was afraid. She was like, what the heck? This teenager boy there, maybe he wants to attack my daughter. Like, what is it? <laughs> and then she's like, Romino, you, just like this. And then with a very angry face and with a finger pointing him, she was like, you, don't do that, no, no, no. But all in Spanish. So I look at her, and I'm like, translating at the same time than her so I was like the official translator Mm -hmm. and I'll just say that being reduced to my accent Mm -hmm. and putting in me in this group of well you're not good at all Mm -hmm. make me feel so like oh what is this was I lying myself all this time like Mm -hmm. a lot of doubt about myself and about everything your reality to there you go um and also because my mom she always believed in me so i was like Mm. maybe this is just my mom being a mom maybe i'm not enough i'm not good enough uh so yes i also say that having accents in different languages does talk about courage from the person who speaks right but it also takes a little bit of effort and understanding because it can put them down and it can really yeah like impact them and we should think of ourselves as I'm unique and I'm part of this, so I belong, mm-hmm. but I'm unique. I love what you say about effort because I think that in Canada, there's such interesting relations to accents. Mm-hmm. I think that um, from an English point of view, English is often viewed as this universal language. Everyone should speak it. And yeah. not only they should speak it, but they should speak it perfectly. Mm-hmm. And from my personal experience, this has meant that whenever I would say something in English, mm-hmm. um, that maybe I had an accent in French, um, or I was expressing in a way that wasn't, you know, this perfect Canadian English, mm-hmm. um, people would just not understand. And it's like, sometimes yeah. it was so like, it was like, come on, you know, like, I'm sure you could have understood, yeah. but there's never been that effort and they're, they just feel as though they should not. I'm not saying everyone, but I'm no, saying no. from my experience, yeah. the people that I was talking to in English Canada, there wasn't always that need in mm. their minds to have that effort to understand because they're speaking this universal language that everyone should be able to speak perfectly. Yes, that's very true. And in Quebec, I feel like it's the, the same is true, but it's more from a point of view of well, we shouldn't try because it should be Quebec because Quebec is in so much danger and it's so important and it French is so, yeah. like, you know, like, yeah. dominant. Yeah. And I think that there is not only this lack of effort, like, in English Canada, but there's also this resistance mm-hmm. to effort, mm-hmm. you know, and to say, like, there's only one way to speak our language and if not, you not adapt to it. Adapt yourself to me. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yes, that made me think of, uh, there was this, like social experiment or, or something mm-hmm. like that a video that i watched many like years ago yeah um and it was this guy that was walking on the streets uh, mm-hmm. i believe he was here in quebec okay because he was like in a bilingual city mm-hmm. so let's just say it was quebec and what was interesting is that 
he had obviously like a hidden camera following him. Yeah. And the whole point of this social experiment is to showcase a guy who has an accent, mm-hmm. but he's still like making efforts to yeah. speak another language. Yeah. So I believe the experiment was in English, mm-hmm. uh, and he had a very strong French accent. Mm-hmm. And what it showed is that people answering to him, all of them, they tried to understand, and they saw how he was struggling, you know, mm-hmm. to like find his words and whatever. Yeah. So they automatically changed in French. So they were giving the directions in French right away, as opposed of you're speaking to me in English, I'm answering to you in English, yeah. you know, and, and and he would still like continue, continue in English, in English yeah. exactly, even though he was still struggling. Mm-hmm. And, and the other person would be like, they all say in French. And this experiment wanted to show that when someone's trying to talk to you in French or in English or I don't know, a language that you know. Yeah, any other language. And, and, and they are doing an effort from their part. Why don't we just like encourage them to continue and yeah. answer it in the language? I mean, if you don't speak French and I'm speaking to you in French, like, I mean, yeah. don't struggle. Yeah. But at least answer in, in the language that they ask you questions. Mm-hmm. And if needed, always bring them down. Like, do you speak French? Do you mm-hmm. want us like to continue this in French? So it's just a question of like politeness and respect mm-hmm. and also to like highlight the fact that this person is trying as opposed to automatically switching. help them. Yeah. 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 And it's kind of, if you switch, I mean, I, I get both sides though, yeah. because I would switch to, in the sense of like trying to be helpful exactly. and understanding, but, a nice way, yeah. but it's, it's nice to ask because if that person does want to practice yes. and it did happen to me and it happens to me sometimes. And I often turn to my boyfriend and I'm like, is my like French that bad? And it makes me also self-conscious and I'm sure that okay. people are doing it because they just want to be nice. Mm-hmm. But um, this situation happened to me where someone knocked at my door um, at my uh, apartment. Okay. And uh, this lady was obviously French. Okay. Um, and she started in English because I, I don't know, maybe she thought it was like an English building. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but uh, we do have like a lot of English people okay. in that building. So maybe she ran into someone else and just assumed like it's Anglophone living in this building. I think so, she wanted to practice too. Maybe. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so I answer and I'm like, hello, because I don't know, you're in Quebec. So my reflex oftentimes is just to start in French and then yeah. whichever language you want to go on from there, let's do it. Right. <laughs> um, but, um, but yeah, so she she was asking me questions in English and I was answering in French and I was like, what are we doing? Like, what's happening? I was so confused and I was like, yeah, maybe she does want to practice, but it's just weird because like she came to my door and like, anyways, it was like this whole situation and I feel like it is such a good reminder to ask those questions because or else you just end up going on this conversation where you're both speaking a different language and you're just so confused, you know, yeah. and it's, it's awkward. Yeah, that's, the, that's what I want to say. Like, maybe there was, it was a bit cringy or, like, awkward. Yeah. Uh, but all it takes is just a little sentence. Yeah, and maybe, yeah, and it's like, you never know. I mean, maybe this lady comes to Montreal to practice her English. <laughs> so, so note to self to ask that. No, for sure. Not, I guess the, the idea here is like to not assume right away. Yeah. Um, but yes, it's it's about politeness and respectful. Mm-hmm. But we, we do have this luck in, in Quebec, particularly that we're very bilingual and you can have most services and access to different programs mm-hmm. and so on in French or English. 
Uh, so it's a great place like to practice. Yeah, I like either language. Uh, but again, just to stay respectful because even though it comes like from a right place and it's the yeah, idea is to be helpful, well, it yeah. can be insulting. Not that she felt insulted, but it's just hey, what's wrong with my English kind of thing or my yeah. French? Yeah, of course. And I think that we do live in a country that is has these two official languages, which is French and English. Yeah. The only thing I disagree with is I find from my experience that it's not the best place to practice both. I feel like depending on where you are in Canada, mm-hmm. there's only one language recognized. And that should be the one that you not only speak, but that you speak perfectly. And I've had yeah. that experience as much when I grew up in Western Canada mm-hmm. as I have in the suburbs of Quebec. Mm-hmm. And just having that expectation of, you know, just, I mean, people used to tell me, like, well, where are you from? You know, with all kind of this questioning, you know, and I was right. like, I'm from Canada. I'm from here. But I think that it's such a micro culture right. it is no micro culture in Quebec yeah. of like you know it's us and we want to be this country and it, and it's really like a lot of people see it as like their own country already so it's like mm. if you're not speaking French with the Quebec accent yeah then you're kind of from another country yeah you know? yeah so it's um it's interesting and it's I I wish that it was more positive but I do think that it happens on both sides it's really rooted in history and a lot just a lot of different um, issues Mm -hmm. and so I think that it's it's not something that's going to be resolved right away but it is you know nice to remind ourselves to continue to have that openness not only to French and English but as you mentioned you know you grew up in parts of Montreal and there are other parts like that around Canada that are very multicultural exactly and it's not only English and French and having that effort and openness to other languages is super important to keep in mind it's very important and I think that as many things what we need is to be more more like aware of the diversity that comes with it Mm -hmm. you know not only through the media we have we need to see diverse, but we most certainly need to listen more diverse. Mm-hmm. And and people who have accents, I think that we have to believe more in ourselves too, because many times my mom, she would just say, hey, translate this, translate this. Mm-hmm. But she knew perfectly what she wanted to say in French. It's just that she didn't have the courage yeah. or she didn't want to put herself out there yeah. uh, so people can make fun of her. Yeah. So there's a lot of fear around yeah. it and to then- be mocked. And, and, yeah. and it's, I mean, I think it's very well justified, but we have like our, we need to be more like open to different yeah. sounds, different accents. Yeah. And to normalize it. Cause I, exactly. I truly think that it is a lot more normalized in parts of the world like Europe where, mm-hmm. you know, if you speak two languages, you're like a loser, <laughs> you know, yeah. like not in like the actual sense, but like people speak a lot of languages. Yeah. And so I feel like it definitely needs to be normalized and people like your mom then will feel as though, even though they don't have that perfect anglophone accent or, yeah. or francophone accent they can still speak because they know a couple words and they want to try and they and your mom is one of many that feels that For shame sure. and that feels anxious about exactly. practicing and using a language that they learn yeah so definitely and uh, less, normalizing will that's true yeah that's so true and the less you practice the more you miss out the opportunity to have more connections you miss out the opportunity to express yourself mm-hmm. you miss out the, the opportunity to be heard so, you know, it's a yeah. big thing that comes so around yeah. it. Yeah. Exactly. And then 
ourselves, we get, we marginalize ourselves. And, and sometimes it comes from bad experiences. Mm-hmm. And, and again, it's like a, a protection for ourselves. So I think we have like both responsibilities. One, to believe in ourselves. And I should be proud because I speak not only English, but I speak French and Spanish. Mm-hmm. And if I'm not perfect, well, I think people will get me, will understand me. Mm-hmm. And for the other part, we need to be more welcoming. If we unite mm-hmm. and we share our experiences, then we'll have so much of a a bigger vision of the yeah. world, right? Yeah. It's a responsibility that comes from two sides. From both sides, yeah. And if it is normalized on both sides and there is, you know, that aspect of not seeing it as a threat, but as you said, as just this kind of multitude mm-hmm. of people and experiences and talents, then yep. that's how we change the world. Yeah. Well, the world is a very complex place holding so many complex individuals. There's another really interesting layer to accents as it relates to women mm-hmm. and the perception of them depending on, you know, age and culture. Yeah. And that's kind of a point that I wanted to bring up within this topic because I grew up, you know, in Western Canada, as I said, with a French accent. Mm-hmm. And when I was little, my French accent, you know, was I was teased about it and it was very much about me being like a French frog you know that's what I was labeled as like it was just like a tease like it was never overly like bullying or anything but it was still brought up it was still you know it stayed with you yeah but Mm -hmm. as I got older Mm -hmm. it became this like sexy desirable thing to have an accent right it was no longer cute or even something to mock or to kind of tease but it was very sought after and and sexy you know right and it's funny because I was speaking to one of my really good friends who's Russian and she said she she brought up the idea of you know Russian women and and that accent as well and how it's portrayed in media Mm. um and just in culture you know as a whole yeah and how that comes off as hypersexualized oftentimes yeah for women that have that Russian accent. And so I, I think that's fascinating how mm. it, it relates to women and, and depending on your age. And that's something we talked about in our last episode, you know, yeah. Um, and how that perception of the same accent changes over time. Yeah, that's true. Uh, there is a Latinas movement, actually, that I think it came from the U.S. Okay. And and they it's like a woman's liberation movement. Mm-hmm. And, and what they did... It's to fight the image of the Latina woman mm. and specifically like what people perceive when they see or hear a Latina woman. You know, the Consuela that is like a, a cleaning lady or a right. very sexualized woman, mm-hmm. Latina woman, uh, that is usually showcased in TV shows, movies, yeah. and so on. And, and again, it's sad because it reduced ourselves to a stereotype exactly yeah. and it's and yeah and, and, and it's yeah and it reduces a whole culture into yeah. two characters right yeah and like latinas we can be so much more i mean not only latinas but just human beings you know we can have so much potential that is more than this little box of what you can do from stereotypes exactly yeah. and that's something that is still a working process you know but it was instored in the in the media. Yeah. And and the more we see, the more we acknowledge, the more we make fun of it. Because jokes are mm-hmm. also part of this, like keeping the stereotypes alive. Oh, yeah. 
Now we try to change mentalities and that's very challenging. It, it won't come from, you know, a TV show or even a podcast, but what will come is if, if we still speaking up and not only for ourselves, but also around ourselves and to say stereotypes are bad, general, generalizations are bad. So how is the movement that you mentioned uh, trying to move away from those stereotypes? Well, in reality, is that like a feminist movement. That's mm-hmm. the definition of it. Uh, and of course, it can vary uh, across different groups. Mm-hmm. And what they want to showcase is more like th- that a woman, and particularly like Latino women, yeah. they can also be empowered. They can have like mm-hmm. big jobs. They are smart. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that they do need to have a, a job to uh, showcase that they're smart. They can pretty much well be mother at home. Mm-hmm. But it's to showcase like what those behind exactly, yeah. and it's not just one little stereotype. No, it's moving beyond that exactly. Like I remember there was this TV show. What is it? It was like Police Ninety Nine. Oh, Brooklyn Ninety Nine. Yes, yes, and there are different Latinas okay. in that show, yeah. and one of them is like more like the tomboyish, like mm-hmm. kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Then the other one is like the very intelligent, like. I want to say perspicace, but it's like yeah, resourceful. It, it, and, exactly. Yeah. So, so you have like different personalities, personas of what a Latina woman can do. And I don't know if you know, but when they tried to do that in, in here in Quebec, the Brooklyn Ninety Nine, they wanted to redo it in yeah. a Quebecois version. Yeah, they, I they, they, they I didn't, don't remember, but it, well, it, it's now it's a long time ago. Yeah. I think it was like last year or something, but. It, the the problem is that they didn't take Latinas, so right. they took like Quebecois, which is fine. It's just that if you want to recreate the yeah. same thing yeah. in a Quebecois context, well, respect the cultural movement that yeah. was and the intention of including yes. exactly like diversity. Yeah, and to be honest, like there is enough roles for white people. You know, and I think that, as you said, it must be also as important for other cultures, but to be showcased and to have those roles Mm -hmm. um, in TV shows like Brooklyn Nine-Nine, where it's not like she's not a maid. She's not, Mm -hmm. you know, the sex mom. She's just the super resourceful um, investigator. Uh Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Without being too like cartoonish, Mm -hmm. without being too like loud. Or, or not intelligent. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So I think it's it's important uh to be aware of the representations of the media. It's very important. Mm-hmm. And now more than ever, with COVID and the pandemic and everything, I think people are consuming more and more the media. Now mm-hmm. it's like everything that we're doing, we're either on our phones, mm-hmm. uh, working in your in our computers, and then oh, I want to have a break, so I'm gonna watch a mm-hmm. TV show. I want to watch a movie. So media is so much mm-hmm. in our faith that if we don't take like a step back and say, oh, what am I actually watching? And, 100%. And to kind of like be intentional. Aware. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's so important. And I think it that is. a lot of the TV and the media, as you say, that we consume mm-hmm. is very like intentional in how they are. And yeah. sometimes like TV shows like 90 Day Fiance in the States, which is about um people from other uh, parts of the world coming to the US on a K1 visa okay to get a green card okay. um because they're either going to be engaged or engaged to Americans right and 
uh, that TV show is just so problematic in so many ways, but I think it's very intentional in how they portray other cultures. Okay. And also how they portray Americans as being this amazing country that everyone looks up to and everyone's mm. biggest dream is to come to the U.S. So they must be scammers because who wouldn't want to come to the U.S. and be desperate to get there, you know? So right. I 100% agree with what you said about really being mindful and critically think about yeah. what we watch and what we consume in regards to media. Exactly. Yeah. That, you know, that made me think of, uh, I'm, I'm listening to, new, to this new podcast, it's called Loud. Uh, from Evie Queen, which is a reggaeton Latina singer, okay. and uh, and I just love podcasts because it's so accessible. It's a mm-hmm. whole new world, anyway. So yeah. just like a side note, <laughs> um, and this Evie Queen singer, um, she's very known in the Latina in the in the Latin world, mm-hmm. um, and and she wanted to talk about the origins of the regga- of reggaeton, mm-hmm. which is so mediatic and we love it and you know we dance in it and mm-hmm. we're just you know like it's like the, the songs of the moments are, mm-hmm. are yeah you don't even think about it no. i mean I, i'm saying as like a, a white person that doesn't oh, but speak mm-hmm. spanish like, yeah you just move but you're not even aware of like there you yeah. go exactly it's just good yeah um but it, it comes from well it's very interesting and i'm not gonna go like very deep into it like uh, i just I, I um, propose people to, to go and actually go and listen yeah. to it. Uh, so it's called Loud. And and what I really liked is that reggaeton mm-hmm. comes from a, a place, like it was created to mm-hmm. empower the communities, the very poor communities in, the, in the, I think it, it started in Panama, okay. but also like from Republica Dominicana mm-hmm. um, and 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 Puerto Rico, and mm. all of those places. So rally people around, like, this sound and get yeah. everyone into... But it came, like, from the hood. It came from very, po- like, poor communities. Mm-hmm. And they got empowered by the music that united us. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, now we just dance and we mm-hmm. like to, to, like, move our hips on it. But it talks more about, you know, like, what uh, a community can make, what they can do. And, um... We have to be very careful also with what we we hear and listen, like we just said, but also to make our research on what is showcased in the media. Yeah. Staying on the topic of inclusivity and diversity and going into performative uh, inclusivity and diversity, mm-hmm. that's you know a topic that I really wanted to bring up because I think that it's super interesting. Uh, you know, we've been talking a lot about representation and how important that is yeah and I think that um it's very interesting to see the shift of a lot of nonprofits and companies and brands going into this you know diversity and inclusion um sort of way of doing business mm-hmm. and looking at it in a way and I don't say performative in a negative way mm-hmm. I think that efforts should be celebrated but I do think that beyond you know marketing techniques and and advertisements and, and including people in your company that is going to be showcased to the consumer you know so mm-hmm. so kind of having that diversity that is really for the consumer yeah and stopping there I yep. think is the problem for me yes and I think that 
especially moving from the for-profit to the non-profit world. Mm-hmm. I think they both struggle in their own ways. Mm-hmm. Um, but being in the non-profit world, I've had the opportunity to really hear from amazing Canadian organizations that are working and that are really um, involved and experienced in diversity and inclusion yeah. through just living it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And it's super interesting to hear from them because I was at a talk from Equal Futures Canada mm-hmm. and it was about moving beyond the binary yeah. and focus very much on the trans community mm-hmm. and how, yes, you know, it's great to include them in promotional ads and marketing and have them as the image of your brand and, and really show your brand as mm-hmm. more inclusive. But then on the back end, there's so many important steps that need to be done yeah. for people, not only in the trans community, but in the LGBT community and, and for a lot of minority groups to feel safe and welcome and included and important. Like truly included. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And it, I think that that's where companies or, or even organizations fall short yeah. is that they'll you know be into creating these campaigns and seeking out people from different minority groups. But then when it comes to their internal policies and investing in regards to just education and training mm-hmm. and putting stuff into place, then it, it becomes too much of a hassle yeah. and it becomes kind of less worth it because then it's for you and your team. Yeah, you know? exactly. But those go together. Yeah. And honestly, you know, if you want to, if you want to portray that diversity in regards to your team and your company and your brand, mm-hmm. Well, then those things need to be in place exactly. for people to want to be a part of your company and join your team beyond just buying your product or consuming the service that you offer. Very interesting. Exactly. It's like we want to sell, so we need a face to sell. And right yeah. now, that's the thing is that being feminist, being inclusive, it's so in that a lot of companies, a lot of for-profit, and maybe even not for-profit, uh, organizations they will use that excuse oh we're diverse oh we're inclusive mm-hmm. but again it's just to showcase that they're in because that's the thing and it's the same thing with the quotas right like it goes with it uh, the quotas, the quotas <laughs> which is a good idea but I don't think is the final thing it, it's not the final no, objective it's the starting point it's the starting point exactly and just like to make a little context, a quota is, uh, at least here in Quebec, I don't know how it is in, in those contexts, but here it's a company, they will need to hire, let's say, uh, 30% of people from another background. And, and for me, it's always tricky because yes, I'm Latina, but if you look at me in the street, I don't know how much you would say, oh, this is a Latina, she stands up in, in a group of white people, mm-hmm. you know? So I'm always like effy when it comes to that question because I'm like, mm, are they going to hire me because I'm not a white person? Because uh, you're they... white passing, you mean? Exactly. Yeah. I'm not a minor, like a visible minority, Yeah. right? But for me, it's always like... Um, how you say the questioning yeah exactly but that goes to show though what you're saying Romina that Mm -hmm. people when it comes to diversity and inclusion are so reduced to what they look like there you go because as someone who is white passing but who isn't white because your your culture and experience is very different from being white then for you to even have that debate with yourself is like very telling in itself yes exactly and again 
something that I have a lot is that I don't look Latina until I speak. Yes. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, okay, well, thank you. I don't know. No. I don't never know how to think that. But anyways, and again, it's like I'm more than just what I like, uh, what I look, or I'm more than just what I sound, right? And I'm always like very cringy about that question again, uh, because if they don't hire me, then I'm like, maybe it's because they already reached their quota. And if they do hire me, I'm like, maybe I was lucky. They didn't reach their quota. There you go. So at the end of the day, it's not my merit. It's not my background. It's not my personality. It's not my realizations. It's more like, Mm -hmm. what can you bring to the to the company mm-hmm. so it's a solid point yeah and even I, i'm also disabled like by law because i'm diabetic mm-hmm. so that comes that plays into it exactly yeah. and in the last uh like work that i had um like anyway i i remember when i did the interview and one of the steps was to uh do a, like a urine test Okay, like a medical test? Exactly. Okay. I guess it was like to make sure that I don't do drugs and whatever. Mm-hmm. So, but I, I was I was a little bit like scared or nervous, mm-hmm. not because I do drugs, but because I'm diabetic. And I was like, oh man, they're going to know. And I don't really know if they can tell, but <laughs> I guess that was like my first You're, thing, yeah. my first fear. And then I got the answer and it was positive. Like they, they wanted to, mm-hmm. to hire me. And I was like, oh, yes. But I always wonder, like, is it because they were they were in their mm-hmm. quota? Like, they, they didn't reach out yet? Or is it really because they like who I am, yeah. you know? Um, and again, it's to be reduced to what you can bring and reality. No, absolutely. And I think even in regards to being a white woman, I feel like they're often at the front of the inclusivity campaign you know Mm -hmm. like I've been reached out to to be like a diversity and inclusion consultant Mm -hmm. and it's like sure you know like I (laughs) I mean I'm not as privileged as a white male in society but I'm still very privileged as a cisgendered white woman Mm -hmm. and so that's very interesting in itself and I feel like historically white women have been at the forefront of you know even feminism as well and so i feel like there is this need to go beyond asking white women about diversity and inclusion and really going for people that have these intersectionalities and and come from intersectional backgrounds for sure and quotas like i'm so happy you brought that up because they really fascinate me like as Mm -hmm. we said they are a starting point yeah but they do bring on a lot of self-doubt yeah. and also they can be super dangerous. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was younger, I uh, dated someone who was going to a police academy. Okay. And this was a college where they not only had a police program, mm-hmm. but um, the police one required or had quotas okay. that included uh, indigenous peoples. Okay. So they really made an effort to make sure that um, they had indigenous students in their program that oh. would then be a part of the uh, law enforcement. Oh, okay. And this was met with a lot of adversity and a lot of frustration from students that were not indigenous okay. because there was no proper, I feel like anyways, there was no proper explanation or education around why that's important. Right. But also there's no education around indigenous histories. And and what's happened in Canada and in the world. And that kind of is a problem in itself because Mm -hmm. then 
doing the work as, you know, someone who isn't Indigenous and who will be policing maybe on reserves or in communities that have a very large Indigenous population, uh-huh. it brings up issues that are just different mm-hmm. and more sensitive and require you to deal with it in a different way. Yeah. But you're not equipped to do that. And no. I've talked to people who either have been in those programs or mm-hmm. are close to people who have been and it's really this ongoing issue and there's really not only about indigenous history but about you know mental health and all of that I think that there's a big gap in police academies and what they're learning and how they're they're equipped to then enforce law and protect and serve you know and so I think that that education around why it's important to have quotas or to even just showcase a more diverse and inclusive education is just very important and it's lacking and so that's why quotas they're great but they need to be a part of your vision yep and you need to understand why you have them and people that are within those quotas need to understand why they're important and why they're there exactly we need to unwrap the concept of quota instead of just apply it and say well we did our job because it's more than just hiring people that look different it's to to acknowledge that they still have so much to bring to the company and it's the diversity that will make it stronger. And we really need to see it as a starting point because that's what it is. But we're not where we should be yet. Mm-hmm. And where we should be is a meritocracy where we, we will be judged by our merits, our yeah. realizations, yeah. and what we can bring to the table mm-hmm. and not who we are or what we do mm-hmm. or how we look mm-hmm. um but but yes it's just to go behind and like you said beyond the the what is it beyond the, the, binary? the binary yeah but more than that beyond what we look how we sound yeah and you know speaking about um even like intersectionality we brought that up yeah, I want to go into uh, Jeannie and Georgia. <laughs> For anyone who hasn't seen that mm-hmm. TV show, it's really a coming of age mm-hmm. about kind of a mother-daughter relationship, yeah. moving to a new town, and all the issues that naturally come from that, but then adding this intersectional layer to the characters. Definitely. I initially had a reaction about it, and then... When I kind of explored a little bit more, I was like, huh, like, it's interesting that people are feeling the complete opposite, you know? And, like, my takeaway from it was I really felt as though, wow, this show is so many things. Mm -hmm. But I didn't feel like, oh, it's trying to be all this. I just felt like, wow, like, it's really kind of giving us these intersectional and complex Mm -hmm. characters Mm -hmm. that have these, you know, different sort of issues and and they're very multidimensional and it's not necessarily something that you always see. And not to take away from TV shows that, you know, don't do it all. I think that a lot of them would rather focus on specific, you know, social issues or or topics. Mm -hmm. But I felt as though, wow, this TV show did it and it did it well, in my opinion, you know, but same. Yeah. But once I kind of found out more about it, I understand that there's this issue of doing too much or doing the most Mm. just in regards to how complex these kind of issues and topics are. Right. And perhaps not giving them enough time or just enough space to be explored and live. Okay. But um, yeah, it's an interesting debate. I really thought they did it well, but I, mm-hmm. I do understand the opposite as well of, yeah. well, is it too much? And is it then taking away from each of these 
um, sort of topics because mm-hmm. they're kind of thrown all in there. Yeah, I think like we need to see everything as a whole. Yes, but also like take a step back again and and look into it and be like that really represents yeah like the the like the people like, exactly yeah. like the reality. I think why I like the fact that it was a lot of things is because if we take the example of her friend who was gay, yeah, I feel like sometimes American, and that's kind of most of the TV shows that I watch are American. Yeah, I feel like they often bring up the representation of the LGBT community in a way that that's the focus. There's one yeah. gay person yeah. in school, and that is the end of the world. And we watch them getting bullied and then people are accepting them, you know, mm-hmm. and that's kind of the central focus. It's really a big deal. And we're kind of made to feel like it's a big deal because it's literally all that's going on. Yeah. And I like the fact that it it was just brought up in a way of like, it's just a part of who that person is. Yeah. And it's normal. And the parents, they're very good with it. Like, it's not that they're very good. It's just that they don't talk about it in a negative way or anything. Um, yeah, there's that, this acceptance, this yeah. like, non-spoken acceptance. Exactly. It's yeah. like, as much as you would struggle with a guy, well, you're struggling with finding the love of your life. And, and it, girl, it's it like, feels okay. good. Yeah, it's normalized. It's and we've so been refreshing. talking about normalizing differences in yeah. this episode. And that's a great example of it which I really enjoy. So refreshing. I really enjoy that show mm-hmm. uh, because of that idea. I just like to mention also that I was part of like a beta clip. <laughs> so I'm like super famous. No, <laughs> no, no, no. It's just that I, I have such an honor to be friend with um, with a, an amazing singer. Mm-hmm. Her name is Leonie Gray. Mm-hmm. So shout out to you. <laughs> She's great. And she recently made this song called Power, Mm -hmm. and it will be released at the same time than the video clip, which I am there. In the video clip. (laughs) In the video clip. Mm -hmm. And I was just so excited to be there and so grateful for that opportunity. But the thing with that is that I'm diabetic, as you know, and I have this little insulin pump either in my legs or in my arms. Yeah, if you've been hearing a little beep beep. Yeah, I'm sorry. No, don't be sorry. Uh, it's it's her uh, pump. Yes, exactly. <laughs> the beep beep was me, guys. <laughs> so it's part of myself. You know, that's what maintains me alive. Yeah. And a little bit. And the uh, thing with that is that um, in this video clip, the idea was that it's um, the thematic is in the 70s. So okay. it's super fun, you know, like the the outfit, yeah. like the where we are, the place was amazing. Mm-hmm. But when she called me and she asked me, like, is there like anything you want to say or like you have any questions? And I said, well, I have one question is mm-hmm. that I'm diabetic and I have an insulin pump, like always hanging somewhere, <laughs> either on my arms or legs. And, you know, the theme is the 70s, you know, like, maybe I should hide it, like, oh, maybe. Oh, because it didn't exist. Exactly. Oh, like, yeah. I don't want to be incoherent to what we're trying to portray, right? Right. And I really, really enjoy what she said. And she told me, look, I am such a supporter of more diversity representation in the media. Yeah. And right now, we're creating this, like, platform like to show uh, what power is yeah the whole video clip is just a friend having fun fun with her friends Mm -hmm. and she feels empowered Mm -hmm. just by being there so we can empower ourselves with little moments 
with connections with your friends, you know, something so small. And and then she said, you know, I think it would be a good idea, if you agree, of course, that's your choice, if you put the insulin pump in your arms and you don't hide it in your legs. Okay. Um, as some diabetic people, when they'll see that video clip, mm-hmm. they will feel, oh, look, I'm not so weird. I'm not yeah. so different. Yeah. Because here she is, this diabetic person, she's in the screen and she's there and you know she's putting herself there even though it's not coherent because at the in the 70s there was mm-hmm. no insulin pumps and i just loved it so much it was so heartwarming to to not like blame me to be different or or to shame me and say oh yeah like you know i won't go well with the with the team mm-hmm. she was like no go on at the end of the day it is your 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 decision and I really like that aspect too yeah is that you know I don't have to be an ambassador to to diabetic yeah. but if I felt like it I had that opportunity and I I just love it and it's to not nor- normalize the uniformity of every one of us because we're not yeah. the same and we should be proud to be different yeah. right and, and even unique. for you you know you came into that sort of opportunity with a mindset and it's probably based on past experiences of saying Definitely. listen i have this how do you want me to hide it right exactly. and yeah. now that you've had this response as you said you don't it doesn't mean that you have to be an ambassador every time yeah. or during every opportunity that yeah. you have but it certainly makes you feel as though you can be exactly. you know and i feel like it's not every experience that has made you feel that way yeah and it's really awesome to be able to to live through that yeah. and it speaks to a topic that we spoke about in our last episode which is historical accuracy versus mm-hmm. representation right yes exactly yeah so they can feel empowered or they can feel ashamed of their uniqueness. Yeah, and as you said, having the opportunity today to, in a way, or, or for some um, instances, rewrite history, because women in the 70s weren't as empowered as we are today. Yeah. But she's choosing that era mm-hmm. to portray that power, and that in itself is really interesting. And then it to is. bring on that layer of representation and diversity is another aspect that's awesome so it's a really cool project yeah thanks for sharing it and we'll definitely let everyone know when it's out and put the link in our description of course (laughs) i'm so excited before we uh wrap up Mm -hmm. do you have a spanish thought or expression that you wanted to share with us um we're gonna be doing this every episode because Mm -hmm. it is your first language and Mm -hmm. we wanted to incorporate that culture into the podcast absolutely yes there's this um, really fun phrase that I found, and, and it's in Spanish, like, found interesting. And it's espacio, despacio. Okay. okay. So what it, ta- what it means, espacio means space, and despacio means slowly. Mm-hmm. It's to take space, but not to feel the pressure to do it in a rushing way. And also the fact that it's slow, espacio, it means that you kind of appropriate that time for you. So it's to live in the present, mm-hmm. in the present, with acknowledging your existence in the world, mm-hmm. but also being comfortable and uh, stable enough to do it at your own pace, mm-hmm. slowly. So, mm-hmm. Anyways, that was my That's little awesome. thing. <laughs> Thank you so much. Okay. 
That's a wrap. We hope you'll learn something while still having fun. As always, please don't hesitate to reach out to us at stillhavingfunpodcast at gmail.com. We'd absolutely love to hear how we can continue to host a conversation that is safe, inclusive, and welcoming. And until our next episode, we invite you to speak up so everyone can still have fun.